Chapter 5 of The House of the Wolfings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The House of the Wolfings by William Morris. Chapter 5 Concerning the Hall Sun. When the warriors and the others had gone down to the mead, the Hall Sun was left standing on the hill of speech and she stood there till she saw the host in due array going on its way dark and bright and beautiful. Then she made as if to turn her back to the great roof, but all at once it seemed to her as if something held her back, as if her will to move had departed from her, and that she could not put one foot before the other. So she lingered on the hill, and the quenched candle fell from her hand, and presently she sank down on the grass, and sat there with the face of one thinking intently. Yet it was with her that a thousand thoughts were in her mind at once, and no one of them uppermost, and images of what had been, and what then was, flickered about in her brain, and betwixt them were engendered images of things to be, but unstable, and not to be trowed in. So sat the hall-son on the hill of speech, lost in a dream of the day, whose stories were as little clear as those of a night-dream. But as she sat musing thus, came to her a woman exceedingly old to look on, and whom she knew not as one of the kindred or a thrall. And this Carline greeted her by the name of the Hall-son, and said, Hail, Hall-son of the Markmen, how fares it now with thee, when the whelps of the wood-beasts wander from the leafage of the tree? All up the murkwood water to seek what they could find, the oak-bowls of the battle, and the warwood stark and blind. Then answered the maiden, It fares with me, O mother, that my soul would fain go forth to behold the ways of the battle, and the praise of the warrior's worth. But yet it is held entangled in a maze of many a thing, as the low-grown bramble holdeth the break-shoots of the spring. I think of the thing that hath been, but no shape is in my thought. I think of the day that patheth, and its story comes to naught. I think of the days that shall be, nor shape I any tale. I will hearken thee, O mother, if hearkening may avail. The carline gazed at her with dark eyes that shone brightly from amidst her brown wrinkled face. Then she sat herself down beside her, and spake, From a far folk have I wandered, and I come of an alien blood, but I know all tales of the wolfings, and their evil and their good. And when I heard of thy fairness, thereof I heard it said, That for thee should never be a bridal, nor a place in the warrior's bed. The maiden neither reddened nor paled, but looking with calm, steady eyes into the carline's face, she answered, Yea, true it is, I am wedded to the mighty ones of old, and the fathers of the wolfings, ere the days of field and fold. Then a smile came into the eyes of the old woman, and she said, How glad shall be thy mother of thy worship and thy worth, and the father that begat thee, if yet they dwell on earth. But the hall son answered, in the same steady manner as before, None knoweth who is my mother, nor my very father's name. But when to the house of wolfings a wild wolf waif I came, they gave me a foster mother, an ancient dame and good, and a glorious foster father, the best of all the blood. Spake the carline, Yea, I have heard the story, but scarce therein might I trow, that thou with all thy beauty wert born beneath the oaken bough, and hast crawled a naked baby o'er the rain-drenched autumn grass. Wilt thou tell the wandering woman what wise it comes to pass, that thou art the Midmark's hall-son, and the sign of the wolfing's gain. Thou shalt pleasure me much by the telling, and thereof shalt thou be fain. Then answered the hall-son, Yea, 
Thus much I remember for the first of my memories, that I lay on the grass in the morning, and above were the boughs of the trees. But not naked was I as the wood whelp, but clad in linen white, and adown the glades of the oak wood, and the morning sun lay bright. Then a hind came out of the thicket, and stood on the sunlit glade, and turned her head towards the oak tree, and a step on towards me made, then stopped, and bounced aback, and away as if in fear, that I saw her no more. Then I wondered, though sitting close and near, was a she-wolf great and grisly. But with her was I wont to play, and pull her ears, and belabor her rugged sides and gray, and hold her jaws together, while she whimpered slobbering for the love of my love, and nowise I deemed her a fearsome thing. There she sat, as though she were watching, and o'erhead a blue-winged jay, shrieked out from the topmost oak twigs, and a squirrel ran his way, two tree-tops off, but the she-wolf arose up suddenly, and growled with her neck fell bristling, as if in danger drew an eye, and therewith I heard a footstep for nice was my ear to catch all the noises of the wildwood, so there did we sit at watch, while the sound of feet grew nigher. Then I clapped hand on hand, and crowed for joy and gladness, for there out in the sun did stand a man, a glorious creature, with a gleaming helm on his head, and gold rings on his arms, in raiment gold-broidered crimson red. Straight away he strode up towards us, nor heeded the wolf of the wood, but sang as he went in the oak-glade, as a man whose thought is good, and not she heeded the warrior, but tame as a sheep was grown, and trotted away through the wildwood with her crest all laid adown. Then came the man and sat down by the oak bowl close unto me, and took me up not fearful, and set me on his knee. And his face was kind and lovely, so my cheek to his cheek I laid, and touched his bright cold war-helm, and with his gold rings played, and hearkened his words, though I knew not what tale they had to tell, for fain was my heart of their music. And me seemed I loved him well. So we fared for a while were fain, till he sat down my feet on the grass, and kissed me and stood up himself, and away through the woods did he pass. And then came back the she-wolf, and with her I played and was fain. Lo, the first thing I remember. Wilt thou have me babble again? Spake the carline, and her face was soft and kind. Nay, damsel, long would I hearken to thy voice this summer day. But how didst thou leave the wildwood? What people brought thee away? Then said the hall-son, I awoke on a time in the even, and the voices I heard as I woke, and there was I in the wildwood by the bowl of the ancient oak, and a ring of men was around me, and glad was I indeed, as I looked upon their faces, and the fashion of their weed, for I gazed on the red and the scarlet, and the beaten silver and gold, and blithe were their noble faces, and kindly to behold. And not had I seen of such like, since that hour of the other day, when that warrior came to the oak glade with the little child to play. And forth now he came, with the face that my hands had fondled before, and a battle-shield wrought fairly upon his arms he bore, and thereon the wood-wolf's image in ruddy gold was done, and I stretched out my little arms towards the glorious shining one, and he took me up and sat me on his shoulder for a while, and turned about to his fellows with a blithe and joyous smile, and they shouted aloud for me, and drew forth gleaming swords and clashed them on their bucklers, but not I knew of the words of their shouting and rejoicing. So thereafter was I laid, and borne forth on a warrior's war-shield, and our way through the woods we made, midst the mirth and great contentment of those fair-clad shielded men. But no tale of the wolf, and the wild wood abides with me since then, and the next thing I remember is a huge and dusky hall, a world for my little body from ancient wall to wall, a world of many doings, and not for me to do, a world of many noises, and known to me were few. Time wore, and I spoke with the wolfings, and knew the speech of the kin, and it was strange neath the roof no longer, as a lonely waif therein, 
and I wrought as a child with my playmates, and every hour looked on, until the next hour's joyance, till a happy day was done, and going and coming amidst us was a woman tall and thin, with hair like the hoary barley, and silver streaks therein, and kind and sad of visage, as now I remember me, and she sat and told us stories when we were aweary with glee, and many of us she fondled, but me the most of all, and once from my sleep she waked me, and bore me down the hall, in the hush of the very midnight, and I was feared thereat, but she brought me under the dais, and there the warrior sat, who took me up and kissed me, as erst within the wood, and meseems in his arms I slumbered, but I wakened again and stood alone with the kindly woman, and gone was the goodly man, and athwart the hush of the hall folk, the moon shone bright and wan, and the woman dealt with a lamp hung up by a chain aloft, and she trimmed it and fed it with oil, while she chanted sweet and soft, a song whose words I knew not, then she ran it up again, and up in the darkness above us died the length of its wavering chain. Yea, said the carline, this woman will have been the call-son that came before thee. What next dost thou remember? Said the maiden, Next I mind me of the hazels behind the people's roof, and the children running thither, and the magpie flighting aloof, and my hand in the hand of the hall-son, as after the others we went, and she soberly hearkening my prattle, and the words of my intent, and now what I call her mother, and indeed I loved her well. So I waxed, and now of my memories the tale were long to tell. But as the days passed over and I fared to field and work, alone or with my playmates, still the days were fair and good. But the sad and kindly hall-son for my fosterer now I knew, and the great and glorious warrior that my heart clung solely to, was but my foster father, and I knew that I had no kin in the ancient house of the wolvings, though love was warm therein. Then smiled the carline and said, Yea, he is thy foster-father, and yet a fond one. Sooth is that, said the hall-son, but wise art thou by seeming. Hast thou come to tell me of whose kindred I am, and who is my father, and who is my mother? Said the carline, Art thou not also wise? Is it not so that the hall-son of the wolfings seeth things that are to come? Yea, she said, yet I have seen waking or sleeping no other father save my foster-father. Yet my very mother I have seen, as one who should meet her in the flesh one day. And good is that, said the carline, and as she spoke, her face waxed kinder, and she said, Tell us more of thy days in the house of the wolfings, and how thou farest there. Said the hall-son, I waxed neath the roof of the wolfings, till now to look upon I was of sixteen winters, and the love of the folk I won, and in lovely weed they clad me, like the image of a god, and lonely now full often the wildwood ways I trod, and I feared no wildwood creature, and my presence scared them not, and I fell to know of wisdom, and within me stirred my thought, so that oft the nights would I wander through the mead and far away, and swim the murkwood water, and amidst his eddies play, when earth was dark in the dawn-tide, and over all the folk I knew of the beast's desires, as though in words they spoke. So I saw how things that should be, were they mighty things or small, and upon a day as it happened, came the war-word to the hall, and the house much went to the war-field, and as they sang and played, with the strings of the harp that evened, and the mirth of the war-eve made, came the sight of the field to my eyes, and the words waxed hot in me, and I needs must show the picture of the end of the fight to be. Then I showed them the red wolf bristling, or the broken fleeing foe, and the war-gear of the fleers, and their banners did I show, to wit the lingworm's image with the maiden in his mouth, there I saw my foster father, mid the pale blades of the south, till aloof swept all the hand-play in the hurry of the chase, and he lay along by an ash-tree, 
no helm about his face, no burning on his body, and an arrow in his thigh, and a broken spear in his shoulder. Then I saw myself draw nigh, to sing the song blood-staying. Then saw I how we twain, when midst of the host triumphant, in the wolfing's banner wane, the black bulls lowing before us athwart the warrior's song, as up from workward water we went our ways along, to the great roof of the wolfings, when streamed the woman out, and the sound of their rejoicing blent with the warrior's shout. They heard me, and saw the picture, and they wanted how wise I was grown, and they loved me, and glad were their hearts of the tale my lips had shown, and my body clad as an image of a god to the field they bore, and I held by the mast the banner, as I looked upon their war, and endured to see unblenching, on the wind-swept sunny plain, all the picture of my vision and by the menfolk done again, and over my foster father I sang the staunching song, till the life-blood that was ebbing flowed back to his heart the strong, and we wended back in the war-wane, midst the gleanings of the fight, unto the ancient dwelling, and the hall-sun's glimmering light. So from that day henceforward, folk hung upon my words, for the battle of the autumn, and the harvest of the swords, and e'en more was I loved than aforetime, so wore a year away, and heavy was the burden of the lore that on me lay. But my fosterer the hall-son took sick at the birth of the year, and changed her life as the year changed, as summer drew anear. But she knew that her life was waning, and lying in her bed, she taught me the lore of the hall-son, and every word to be said at the trimming in the midnight, and the feeding in the morn, and she laid her hands upon me, ere unto the hoe she was born. With the kindred gathered about us, and they watered her weird and her will, and hailed me for the hall-son, when at last she lay there still. And they did on me the garment, the holy cloth of old, and the neck-chain wrought for the goddess, and the rings of the hallowed gold. So here am I abiding, and of things to be I tell. Yet know not what shall befall me, nor why with the wolfings I dwell. Then said the carline, What seest thou, O daughter, of the journey of to-day? And why wendest thou not with the war-host on the battle-echoing way? Said the hall-son, O mother, here dwelleth the hall-son, while the kin hath a dwelling-place. Nor ever again shall I look on the onset or the chase, till the day when the roof of the wolfings looketh down on the girdle of foes, and the arrow singeth over the grass of the kindred's close, till the pillars shake with the shouting, and quivers the roof-tree dear, when the hall of the wolfings garners the harvest of the spear. Therewith she stood on her feet, and turned her face to the great roof, and gazed long at it, not heeding the crone by her side, and she muttered words of whose signification the others knew not, though she listened intently, and gazed ever at her as closely as might be. Then fell the hall-son utterly silent, and the lids closed over her eyes, and her hands were clenched, and her feet pressed hard on the daisies, her bosom heaved with sore sighs, and great tear-drops oozed from under her eyelids, and fell on to her raiment, and her feet, and on to the flowery summer grass. And at the last her mouth opened, and she spake, but in a voice that was marvelously changed from that she spake in before. Why went she forth, O wolfings, from the garth your fathers built, and the house where sorrows dieth, and all unloosed is guilt? Turn back, turn back, and behold it, lest your feet be overslow, when your shields are heavy burdened with the arrows of the foe, how ye totter, how ye stumble on the rough and corpse-strewn way, and lo, how the eve is eating in the afternoon of day. Oh, why are ye abiding till the sun is sunk in night, and the forest trees are ruddy with the battle-kindled light? Oh, rest not yet, ye wolfings, lest avoid be your resting place, and unto lands that ye know not, the wolf must turn his face, 
and ye wander and ye wander till the land and the ocean cease, and your battle bring no safety, and your labor no increase. Then she was silent for a while, and her tears ceased to flow, but presently her eyes opened once more, and she lifted up her voice, and cried aloud, I see, I see, O God, folk, behold it from aloof, how the little flames still flickering along the ridge of the roof, they are small and red against the heavens in the summer afternoon, but when the day is dusking, white, high, shall they wave to the moon. Lo, the fire plays now on the windows like strips of scarlet cloth, wind waved. But look in the night tide of the onset of its wrath, how it wraps round the ancient timbers and hides the mighty roof, but lighteth little crannies so lost and far aloof that no man yet of the kindred has seen them ere to-night, since first the builder builded in loving and delight. Then again she stayed her speech, with weeping and sobbing, but after a while was still again. And then she spoke, pointing towards the roof with her right hand. I see the fire-risers, and iron-helmed they are, brown-faced about the banners that their hands have borne afar. And who in the garth of the kindred shall bear adown their shield, since the onrush of the wolfings they caught in the open field, as the might of the mountain lion falls dead in the hempman net? O oh, wolfings, long have ye tarried, but the hour abideth yet, what life for the life of the people shall be given once for all? What sorrow shall stay sorrow in the half-burnt wolfing hall? There is naught shall quench the fire, save the tears of the godfolk's kin, and the heart of the life delighter, and the life-blood cast therein. Then, once again, she fell silent, and her eyes closed again, and the slow tears gushed out from them, and she sank down sobbing on the grass. And little by little the storm of grief sank, and her head fell back, and she was as one quietly asleep. Then the carline hung over her, and kissed her and embraced her, and then through her closed eyes and her slumber did the hall sun see a marvel. For she who was kissing her was young and semblance and unwrinkled, and lovely to look on, with plenteous long hair of the hue of ripe barley, and clad in glistening raiment such as has been woven in no loom on earth. And indeed it was the wood sun in the semblance of a crone, who had come to gather wisdom from the coming time of the foreseeing of the hall sun, since now at last she herself foresaw nothing of it, though she was of the kindred of the gods and the father of the goths. So when she had heard the hall sun, she deemed that she knew but too well what her words meant, and what for love, what for sorrow, she grew sick at heart as she heard them. So at last she arose and turned to look at the great roof, and strong and straight, and cool and dark gray showed its ridge against the pale sky of the summer afternoon, all quivering with the heat of many hours' sun. Dark showed its windows as she gazed on it, and stark and stiff she knew were its pillars within. Then she said aloud, but to herself, What then, if a merry and mighty life be given for it, and the sorrow of the people be redeemed? Yet will I not give the life which is his? Nay, rather let him give the bliss which is mine? But, oh, how may it be that he shall die joyous, and I shall live unhappy? Then she went slowly down from the hill of speech, and whoso saw her deemed her but a gangrel carline. So she went her ways, and let the wood cover her. But in a little while the hall son awoke alone, and sat up with a sigh, and she remembered nothing concerning her sight of the flickering flame along the hall roof, and the fire tongues like strips of scarlet cloth blown by the wind, nor had she any memory of her words concerning the coming day. But the rest of her talk with the carline she remembered, and also the vision of the beautiful woman who had kissed and embraced her, and she knew that it was her very mother. Also, she perceived that she had been weeping. 
Therefore she knew that she had uttered words of wisdom. For so it fared with her at whiles, that she knew not her own words of foretelling, but spoke them out as if in a dream. So now she went down from the hill of speech soberly, and turned towards the woman's door of the hall, and on her way she met the woman, and old men, and youths, coming back from the meadow with little mirth. And there were many of them who looked shyly at her, as though they would gladly have asked her somewhat, and yet durst not. But for her, her sadness passed away when she came among them, and she looked kindly on this and that one of them, and entered with them into the woman's chamber, and did what came to her hand to do. End of chapter 5 Recording by Todd